0: Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts souls and minds. Hi, this is Anne. Welcome back to the Soul Grip Podcast. Last week we talked about the first three of the five resets that I thought you might like to hear about in the new year. We talked about your sleep, your exercise or movement, and your nutrition, and how all of those three foundational things create the basis of your mental and emotional health. Those were kind of the physical, practical things that you could do that, for the large part, are really dependent on you, your discipline, your schedule, things like that. There's some other things that we're going to talk about today that are still part of those five resets or those five foundational pillars that I think that you need to be able to have a healthy life and good mental, spiritual, and emotional health. So today we're going to be talking about the final two out of those five, and I'm also going to talk to you a little bit about how I implement those things in my daily schedule. So if you remember from last week, I talked about my client who made the graphic that looks like a compass rose and around the four points around the outside that would normally stand for north, south, east, west on a compass rose on a map, she had nutrition, exercise, sleep, and social support. The center of the compass rose has a G for God and that signifies her spirituality So today, I'm going to be talking about the final two areas, social and spiritual. It's hard enough as an adult to make and maintain friendships, but now that we've been in a global pandemic and a highly divisive political climate, it seems nearly impossible to be as connected socially as we'd like to be. I think about a friend who joined a new church in February of 2020, excited to be involved in various ministries only for everything to shut down in March. I also think about my friends and family members who have health conditions and have been afraid to see anyone outside of unavoidable medical appointments and the grocery delivery person. But in working with therapy clients and church members, I know that the problem of social distancing and isolation occurred long before the government mandated shutdowns. Personally, I've lamented the shift from college where there were always friends around late into the night into early adulthood and marriage, pre-kids, where we could spend significant time building friendships, but people had jobs and spouses. Then there was another shift when kids came, along with career, home ownership, all kinds of adulting. It seems like the older we get, the less time and opportunity we have for friends. It's literally one of the top reasons that I look for a church first if we have to move to a new area. If you've been reading any of the headlines over the last two years, you know that nursing home residents have fared worse during this time of isolation, and that suicide rates are up across the population. While there are a host of economic and even biological factors that go into those numbers, it's primarily an example of the toll of broken social connections on humans. If you've been around the church at all, you know how much even this great body has struggled recently to keep people engaged and plugged into community. It takes immense personal effort, as our pastors, leaders, therapists, teachers are all serving needs and struggling with personal hardship. Your customary dependence on others to help you stay connected may not even be working for you right now. So since this series is all about establishing a healthy routine, I want to highlight some habits and objectives that will help you make the most of your social connections in ways that support your mental and spiritual health. First of all, social habits. Last year I read Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I highly recommend, so I want to talk to you about this in terms of habits instead of goals. If you're an extrovert, this may seem obvious to you, but if you are an introvert, you might slip into a habit of reclusivity without even knowing that it's happening. Here's my answer to that. Put it on your calendar. I'm not saying that you have to hang out with someone every day or even every week, but I do think you need to at least chat with someone a couple of times a week. How much will really depend on your personality? When I turned 32, I put a name on my calendar for every day of the month. I picked the 31 people I most needed to connect with regularly, and I made sure I reached out on that day each month. For example, Melanie was the 23rd, so each month on the 23rd, I text her and ask her how I could be praying for her. Over the past year, I've added the habit of weekly FaceTime or Zoom calls with the women I did Bible study with in college. We catch up, pray over the course of 90 minutes or so, And the majority of the time over the last 20 years, I've hosted a small group in my home or attended one in someone else's home. Add to that consistent church attendance, rain, shine, or football games, and you can see that my habits are set up to include regular exposure to people I care about. If this is an area of struggle for you, take some time right now to decide on a new habit. Was I a bit nervous when I told 31 people that I wanted to put their names on my calendar? Yes, actually. But each one of them were honored and excited about the plan. What's holding you back right now? Is there someone you could send a quick message to, purely for the sake of connecting with another human being? We all know that social media has its flaws and that we have a generation growing up more comfortable with texts than phone calls or face-to-face conversations. However, Since our technology is here to stay and will be constantly evolving, it's important to find ways that it can serve us. Here are a couple of ideas that have served me well. First, Facebook groups. From ministry to professional therapy to yard sales, Facebook groups have been a place of connection and invaluable information for me. I've met amazing friends that I talk with regularly, but whom I've never met in person, Please note, this means active participation in groups and not trolling or lurking. An important thing to consider is that online groups can be hotbeds for drama. So if you find that happening, leave the group. It's not worth your peace. However, you can likely find more people who feel like your people when you can include members from across the globe. Getting yourself around people who have the habits and lifestyle that you want to have is important for achieving your goals and feeling supported and understood. Marco Polo and Voxer are two apps that have changed the landscape of friendship for me. The functioning is basically the same, only Marco Polo uses video and Voxer just uses voice. So gone are the days of having to play phone tag with a friend to finally get to connect three months later. With these apps, Your friend can see your face and hear your voice at their own convenience. I typically turn on Marco Polo when I'm driving, in a hands-free phone holder, of course. I'll ramble on to my friends and then they'll do the same when they get in their cars. I have one friend that consistently uses her chicken coop as the only place that she can get peace and quiet to record her messages. My friends know that I'll watch their messages within a day or two and that I'll respond next time I'm not around the kids. We have full-on conversations about everything from counseling theory to husbands to recipes at our own pace and convenience. When stay-at-home orders first came in and everybody was cooking at home, I started a Marco Polo group called What's for Dinner. The group was built around sharing ideas about what to cook each night, but it also built relationships in ways that we hadn't experienced before. I prefer Marco Polo because of the video over Voxer, but lots of people like the voice-only convenience. These are just a few of the ways that I use technology to stay connected on a consistent routine of social effort. The main point is that you need to be connecting regularly in order to maximize your mental and spiritual health. So I'd love to hear from you what are some ways that you're staying connected with people even during this challenging time in our culture. You can always tag me on social media, share a post about it, and I'd love to see it, and I'm sure lots of your friends would benefit from that as well. Moving on, we're going to talk about spirituality as the last of those five pillars to your foundation for mental and spiritual health. I'm saving the best for last, and I want you to know why. Most people visiting my website or or my podcast or blog and seeing how Christian it is would expect this to be the first thing that I talk about. After all, the word spiritual is part of the actual title of the this series. So why haven't I highlighted it before now? Your spirituality is not just a part of you. It's all of you. Maybe you've heard it said, you're not a body with a soul. You are a soul with a body or some variation of this sentiment the truth is, while your soul will outlast your earthly body, God cares about both. We read commands like Luke 10:27. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The past weeks of talking about sleep, nutrition, movement, social connection, Have been here to support you loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving people too. I want to show you that a holistic approach to your health is going to help you whether you are encountering physical, emotional, or spiritual problems. I remember attending a women's retreat years ago where we were instructed to have a quiet time, but the leader also told us that if we fell asleep during the quiet time, that was okay and we didn't need to feel guilty. She stated, that God would love to hold us as we dozed, and if our body drifted off that quickly, it was probably what we needed. I found so much grace in that statement, and it spurs me on now to remind people that taking care of your body's needs is important to your connection with God. In fact, I believe that disregarding our physical health has ramifications for our spiritual life. The same is true when it comes to social connection. There's so much in the Bible about having loving relationships with other humans. It's not something that we can ignore and still expect our spiritual lives to thrive. So having talked through these things over the last two episodes, it's finally time that we got into some details that will help you deepen your spiritual life. Quiet time, or QT, seems like a very christian word that people outside the church might not realize is code for reading the Bible, praying, and listening to God. And it's also problematic that sometimes your life doesn't exactly lend itself to time that is actually quiet. I've read lots of articles about doing Bible reading first thing in the morning, and how Jesus himself would get up early to spend time with his Father. That might may be the ideal, depending on your situation and personality, but let me tell you, it's not the only way to spend time with God if you have felt guilty or inadequate because you couldn't seem to wake up early enough to commune with God, let me release you from that. Think about it this way. A woman has been instructed to exercise once a day for 20 minutes, and her doctor told her morning exercise would be better for her energy levels. The woman has two small children and also works a full-time job. She gets up early to get herself ready before getting the kids dressed, fed, and off to daycare on her way to work. Feeling discouraged, she decided to make time after work to exercise, but she never feels quite good enough because her doctor told her the morning was better. Eventually, she ended up quitting exercise altogether because she thought her effort didn't count. It sounds a little sad and ridiculous, right? You know logically that exercise any time of the day is better than no exercise during the day. So stop feeling guilty for having your quiet time at a less than ideal time of day, I'm far more concerned about you having consistency than having a perfect quiet time. With that being said, here are some things to consider. Timing. Finding the timing that works for you. It could be over breakfast, during your lunch break, or before bed. For me, it works to go straight to my Bible after getting the kids down to sleep in the evening. It's the only time I can count on consistently in my day. However, I do have to say that now as my kids are getting older and my middle schooler stays up later sometimes than I even want to be up, I am working towards shifting it to different times of the day. Sometimes I have to even split it up a little in the morning, a little in the evening. Next, location. Where's the best place? The place where you'll actually do it is the best place. For me, that's an armchair in my bedroom, but it used to be on the couch downstairs. I know some who do it at the kitchen table, the cubicle, or the car. And then content. I like to have some variety for my quiet times, which is why I'll sometimes use a devotional plan from the YouVersion app, while other times I'll read passages along with commentaries, and sometimes I spend significant time on memorization. You don't have to do the same thing every day to have a good quiet time. Try out different disciplines to get the most out of your time. Then, let's not skip fellowship. Fellowship is another one of those Christiany words that means something different outside the church. Another word might be support system or social interaction. It's just that we know among our Christian brothers and sisters that our social time has the possibility of, be- of much deeper meaning and benefit. In all my years as a Christ follower, I've grown the most when I'm part of a small group. Here are some ideas to keep you connected regularly to other Christians. 1. Commit to a local church. They are all flawed. Pick the one where you can focus on what's important and forgive what's not. Number 2. Serve with a team. Fighting human trafficking, cleaning up neighborhood parks, helping people find a seat on Sundays. Team experience builds your closeness to God and people. Number 3. Find a small group. To know and be known by other people is where real growth happens number four take it online if pandemic woes or your own schedule are preventing you from connecting in person interact with a church or small group online number five make it social social media that is there are some great groups out there of like-minded people who want to share in your faith journey and number six become a host invite someone over even if it's socially distanced in your front yard or the only thing you know how to make is microwave popcorn for a movie. And now here are some daily habits. These are things that can become automatic. You don't even have to think very much about them and they keep you connected to God and his people while you're taking care of your physical and emotional needs. First, turn on worship music in your car and in your home. Listen to Christian podcasts while you exercise, drive, cook, clean, Keep a prayer list that you can refer to easily to remember other people in your prayers. Develop a reading habit. Even if it's just two pages a day or five minutes, you will read more books this way than if you didn't develop this habit. And finally, memorize scripture. You can start by searching the top 10 verses to memorize and work from there putting them on your phone screensaver or post-it notes on your bathroom mirror or the dashboard of your car. Now that we've covered those five pillars or those five foundational areas where you may need a reset, I wanna talk to you a little bit about how schedule and routine works in my own life, just to give you an example. When my sister moved here from Hawaii in 2012, I had a toddler and another baby on the way. My little girl had never been a good sleeper and being a new mom living in a new community, I didn't worry too much about her nap schedule since she seemed to be easier to handle when we were on the go, running errands and making new friends. My sister had the opposite approach with her daughter who was six months younger than mine. My niece's schedule was tight and disciplined. If we were having an outing in the morning, everything ground to a halt at 12.45 to make sure my niece was napping by one o'clock my sister's influence caused my own children to shift more towards routine as life got fuller and busier my personal routine became more refined it started with that simple act of trying to get my kids to sleep every afternoon at the same time which often took a lot of praying and wrestling one of the difficult transitions of parenthood is the shift from being the master of your own time to becoming a slave to small people with heavy scheduling demands I'm not even talking about soccer practice and piano lessons. It starts long before that with feedings and sleeping schedule. We used to go out for donuts in the middle of the night when I was in grad school. But when kids came along, we became housebound after 7 p.m. Now, while a lot of the time this feels like a total drag, it's also an enormous gift. Child schedules push us into the world of adulting. And adulting functions best with schedule and routine. I'll show you a few of the ways that creating a schedule and routine around the busy professional life, balanced with parenting, has saved my sanity. Over these past two episodes, I've shared with you foundational elements of mental and spiritual health, but here's how I actually do it in my own schedule on an average weekday. Around 6 a.m., I wake up, I check my email, other notifications on my phone, I get breakfast for the kids, I get in the shower, I get everybody off to school. And then I get to work. I work from eight thirty to two o'clock seeing clients, taking care of office stuff, and with a small lunch break in there. At two o'clock, I have to leave the office so that I can pick up kids by two thirty. I do two runs to the school so that I can pick up elementary kids and middle school kids. And then we move into afternoon activities that may cl- include, football practice, drum or piano lessons, or some social time with friends. Sometimes that's a Tuesday evening, friend come over for dinner, that's a standing date. Or Wednesdays, we often go out because it's youth group night. A lot of our evening time revolves around the kids. The kids go into the bath at seven o'clock and we get them down for bed by eight o'clock. And then that's the time when I do my reading and Bible study. My husband and I watch a show and talk and wind down from 9 to 10, and then we're in bed. Ideally, I'm sleeping between 10.30 and 6 a.m. On days that I don't have to get to work so early, I'm working out either with a Revelation Wellness class or a long walk in the neighborhood. The days that I do work early, I may get a walk in the afternoon but a lot of times those days just don't get any exercise at this point in my life. Some days a schedule feels really boring, but on the times that we try to change it up too much, a few things happen. I miss a workout. I don't eat as healthily. My kids get cranky. My marriage gets off track. I don't get enough sleep. I don't spend time connecting with God. I also want to point out that your pandemic schedule may be different than your regular life schedule, and that each of these things change as we go through different seasons in life. In fact, it might change every actual season of the year as weather changes, how much light you have outside changes, whether uh, school's in session or not, uh, how things are going in your work. A lot of those things change from season to season and that's okay, you just have to Be intentional in each season to make sure you're doing a schedule and routine that's going to work for that time. Something you don't see in my schedule is time for connection with friends, family, church members. I didn't give you the weekend example because it varies a lot more, but I can tell you some of the elements. Having friends over for dinner, a weekly prayer and catch-up call with my college friends, time to chat after church, catching up on household and yard chores, I also attempt to make time for face-to-face gatherings or phone calls during the week. It might be having a girlfriend over to chat in the jacuzzi after the kids go to bed, or it might be a coffee date with a colleague during an afternoon that isn't heavily scheduled with clients. I check in daily with friends via text or social media, or Marco Polo, like I said before. What I'd like to improve in my schedule is to establish better routines for daily chores. I'd like to make sure I leave enough time and energy for an evening walk. And I'd like to spend less time mindlessly scrolling when there's a small gap. If you already know what needs to be included in your schedule, but you're having a hard time sticking to it or preventing distractions, I highly recommend writing it down and using timers and reminders to keep you on track until it becomes habitual. Play around with what works for you. A whiteboard, a paper planner, a productivity app, or something else. For those of you that need some sassy pep talking, an app called Carrot can keep you on track with sarcastic remarks and virtual butt kicking. Those of you that need something more gentle might go with a standard reminder app in your phone or an old-fashioned Post-it note. And by no means would I say that this my schedule is the ideal schedule for everyone, but it's working for me during this period of my life with today's demands. I'd like to hear how does your schedule and routine differ from mine? What are some areas that you would like to improve? And what are areas that are working well for you? I'd like to hear about it on social media. So tag me, tell me about your schedule. It won't just help me to know that you're listening. It will also help your friends to know that they can get on track too or they might have good ideas for you to help you get on track. So I encourage you to share that and tag me, and I would love for that interaction with you. Thanks for listening over the last two weeks to hear about the five resets that can help you maximize your mental and spiritual health. I hope that this was helpful for you and that you're starting off 2022 on the right track or moving towards it. And I'd love to hear how I can help Of course, as I've always said from the beginning here on the Soul Grit Podcast, there's probably a Christian therapist that can help you. If there's something that you need a a little extra tweaking with, um, make sure you contact a qualified professional. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Thanks for being here with me today on the Soul Grit Podcast. I just wanted to give you a reminder that you can sign up to receive weekly emails from me by going to soulgritresources.com. I promise not to spam you, and I also promise to make you aware of valuable new resources such as podcast episodes, blogs, and more. Let's be friends. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at SoulCrit Resources. You can email me at info at